translation in a minute from John chapter um, 17, and it's Jesus's prayer for us. And so I just want to pray that this morning as we lean into this, I am yours and you are mine, and that theme this morning, um, and this in the face of isolation, this word in this prayer in the face of being dis feeling a sense of disconnection in so many ways, this in um, a moment of feeling like there's disunity where things are exposed for what they are. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed for us. And he said this, my prayer is not just for those here right now alone, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just like you are in me and I am in you. So if we wanna know what that oneness looks like, he says, just in the same way that the Father and him are one. May they also be in us so that the world might see and believe that you've sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Not uniformity, but complete unity. Then the world will know that you've sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me. So, Father, I want those that you've given me to be with me where I am to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you've loved me from the beginning of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you've sent me. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So that's our prayer this morning. God, I just pray right now for... Um, all of those near and far, um, those of us that are gathering in this very moment, I pray that there would just be, um, because of your Holy Spirit, because of your Spirit in us, that there would be a, a sense of connectedness, a knowledge, and an awareness, God, of your love, um, this love that knows no bounds. There is nothing that can separate us from your love. And that love that is in us, God, I pray that it would mature and grow and um, be fervent and alive and that that love would be demonstrated to the world um, in ways uh, that are uh, uh, represent you and who you are. So, God, I pray this morning that we would be found in you, God. We are yours and you are ours, God. Um, so may we be surrounded, embraced, and seen, and heard, and known this morning, and loved um, we thank you for your presence and your faithfulness to us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, so happy. I'm going to mute the, you, Cedarbergs. Cool. So, you know, just you can say all those things that you've been meaning to say this whole time, but you knew you were on and you're, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, oh my goodness. I'm just so glad I'm. <clears throat> Every, you know, there's, there's an awkwardness about, um, there's an awkwardness. Can we just say that? There's an awkwardness. And, um, Unless the camera really loves you. Still, there is an awkwardness. <laughs> um, and uh, we are all kind of getting used to this new way of, of, of being. And um, I, I'm sure that for some there might be, uh, uh, there, there's some grief in that. And there's also this um, this opportunity to for reimagination, and um, 
But I think that in order to get actually to come to the place of reimagining the new, there is a journey through the valley of the shadow of death, so to speak. There is a there is a way um, and and things that we have to experience and learn along the way that actually um, prepare us to be the people that are on the other side of it. Um, um, anyway, uh, uh, this morning I am very excited to um, uh, be joined by um, by Eka, I, 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 a doctor. I, I know I could give all the formalities here, but I'm very excited to um, uh, be joined by um, someone who's a part of our, our our faith community, and I know um, whose voice um, I hope we hope I hope we can hear more from, mm-hmm. and um, has important things to say to this community. So, um, without further ado, I'm going to hand this on over to Eka. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you all can hear me. Can you hear me? Give me some wave. Good, good. All right. So I'm going to talk a little bit um, uh, this morning, and then hopefully we have still have time after this to uh, to dialogue, to talk, to chat, to be in conversation about the topic that I'm going to bring today. So if you have your Bible with you, uh, if you can turn with me to John 11. John 11, I still have my sort of, you know, actual Bible, <laughs> you know, but if you have your iPhone with you or your, your computer with you, your whatever, your iPad with you, open with me to, uh, with me uh, in John 11. And I would just want to read this and then uh, reflect on this passage, John 11, 32, 35. John 11 verses 32 to 35. When Mary came where Jesus was, saw him, he, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And verse 35 said, Jesus began to weep. So if I can describe our society today, I would say that we live in a painless society. We live in a painless civilization. We are terribly afraid of pain, of sorrow, of grief. Pain medication becomes our everyday consumption. People get addicted to that, to pain medication. The global pain management market is a $45 billion industry and growing. We work really hard to avoid pain. We create all kinds of technology to overcome it, right? We become addicted to painless reality, painless life. And because of that, we have been shaped by that. Pain, grief, and sorrow somehow for us signifies the absence of God. Signifies the silence of God. This is not just about physical pain. We also develop all kinds of strategies to run away from emotional, from spiritual pain. We think that the church should provide opioid 
like oxycodone <laughs> for our emotional and mental pain. And the church somehow is behave as though it is a factory, it's a factory and also a distributor of spiritual oxycodone, right? This is where I see that we can see why the church has failed to be present in people's grief and pain. When we read this passage, for instance, we rush through this passage, through this part of this passage of this story, and we go straight to the next episode of the story where Jesus command, uh, commanded um, um, Lazarus to, came, to come out from the tomb. The church does not know how to deal with human pain and, and caused by grief. So what we see in this passage is, is a story of the death of Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha. He was ill, if you read the first one, he was ill. And if you, if you see the first, uh, first three, you can see like he is the, somebody that Jesus loves. So meaning to say that he's very close to Jesus's heart. When Jesus arrived in Bethany, however, Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now speaking of being late, this is terribly late, four days. He's already in the tomb. Right? It is no surprise that when Mary heard that Jesus was there, this is what she said to Jesus. Jesus, oh Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Speaking of being late, it's terribly late. And how many of us today can say the same thing too, right? Lord, if you had not been here, if you had, sorry, if you have been here, if you had done something, I would not have been like this. I would not have lost my job. I would not have, I would not have been in this situation. Lord, you are just late. It's, it's just too late, four days. The guy died already. And when in that moment, when, when Mary stated that, the next verse is Jesus began to see her weeping. And the text said he was greatly disturbed and deeply moved. And 35, he began to weep. I, you know, this moment of time, I feel like we need to pause for a moment, right? To think about this. Did Jesus know what happened in the next part? Probably, I don't know. But stop there first. Right? Don't rush to the next episode. Jesus wept. And because our inability to think through pain and grief, we tend to rush. You know, I've, I've been in some churches that they play like in, in, in the... In, 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 in the service of Good Friday, for instance, the commemoration or remembrance of Jesus's death, they sing the song of victory and song of song of uh, resurrection, but they cannot deal with that. They rush through the you know rush through that moment. If you read the whole Gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, they they dwell, they they spend 
page after page after page to talk about the passion narrative, the pain that Jesus has to go through. But we rush through that. We just jump and, and then we remind everybody on the third day, Jesus is right. You know, Jesus raised from the dead. Why? It just reflects our inability to, 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 to think through this, the reality of human pain, the reality of human grief. Jesus wept here. Jesus was present in the moment of sorrow, of loss. It is okay to weep. It is okay to cry. I grew up in a, in a, in a culture that said that men shouldn't cry, it's just for women. And I think that has damaged a lot of you know, our image of men. It's okay to cry, it's okay to lament. It's okay to grieve. And coronavirus admittedly has brought another set of grievance and pain to our lives, right? Last week, my aunt died in the hospital after she showed some symptoms of coronavirus. I received a phone call at 3 a.m. My heart pounding like this, boom, 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 boom. I couldn't do anything. I just sat by my... My, 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 my wife, my kids are still sleeping. It was dark morning at 3 a.m. There's a phone call. I keep on calling them, my family back in Indonesia. She was alone in the hospital room because nobody was allowed to be with her in her last hours and last minutes and last It was hard for me to just process that, to process that, that reality. In the past few weeks, my students email me and ask me if they can get extension and things like that because they lost their job. They have to scramble around to look for another, you know, possibility resources for financial resources. Many of us are grieving today for the loss of human touch, the loss of human interaction. We miss that, right? something lose, something that we lost. Hug, you know, because we are created for human touch and body touch. And it caused us to grieve the loss of financial resources. Pastors are grieving for the loss of ability to be physically present with and care for those whom they minister. Um, C.S. Lewis has a famous book called A Grief Observed. C.S. Lewis, if, you're, if you want to read, this is a painful book to read through. Uh, a Grief Observed. And he began the book with this statement. I want to read it really quick to you. So this book is about the lament for, her, for his wife who just passed, C.S. Lewis. And this is what he said. This is the, the beginning line of the book. No one ever told me that, that, that grief felt so like fear. I'm not afraid, but the sensation is like being afraid. The same fluttering in, my, in the stomach, the same relentlessness, the yawning. I kept on swallowing. At other times, it feels like being mildly drunk or concussed. There is sort of invisible blanket between the world and me. I find it hard to take it in. 
It is so uninteresting. Yes, grief is hard. Yes, grief is painful. And grief triggers all kinds of questions, right? Have you been in that position that you say, why? Why did this happen? What did I do wrong? And we are like, like in the moment of the cross too, like Jesus, like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I didn't do anything wrong. Why did this thing happen to me? And question after question after questions came to us when we are in the moment of grievance. And somehow there is no answer at all. In the words of C.S. Lewis, again, this is what she said. He said, when I lay this question before God, I get no answer, but rather a special sort of answer, sort of no answer. It is not the locked door. It is more like a silent gaze from God. Certainly not uncompassionate gaze, but a silent gaze from God. And grievance or grief is not just about death, right? Any sense of loss will lead to grievance. Divorce. Loss of job, loss of close friend. Have you lost close friend? If you're like in a state of that fear and like blanket, says Louis said. Loss of business. All this can, can cause a deep sense of grief in us. This cloud, this blanket that, 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 that stands in between us and the world. When it comes to marginalized community, marginalized communities, grief is almost a daily experience. How many black families who are in the state of grief for the loss of their father figure, for instance, because that person is being incarcerated, being in prison, put in prison, how many? If you read Dr. Dr. James Cohn's book, The Cross and the Lynching Tree, how the memory of the terror of seeing people who, are, who, who you love being lynched by white mobs. The trauma is real. The pain, the grief, the loss is real. How many immigrants' family are in grief because of they, they lost their children, their, their, their parents for being deported? Wives, husbands, sons, daughters have to go through the process of grief when their loved ones are being taken away from them by state power. And sometimes we don't question state violence. It's state violence is a, it's a huge issue in itself. As an immigrant myself, grief is like my daily food as well. When I moved from Indonesia to the US, I had to leave my families, my friends people whom I love. I still remember I had a dog when I was in Indonesia. And when my wife, because I came first to the US, when my wife left Indonesia, when she was about to go to the, to enter the van that will take her to uh, the, 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 the airport, the dog wanted to jump into the, into the, into the, the van. 
And we, when, when she arrived here, the dog refused to eat for days. And almost every night, my friend and the people in that area told us that almost every night that the dog was crying like, oh, oh, almost every night. And only in a few months, the dog passed. It just broke our heart to pieces. The loss is real. When my wife's dad passed in Indonesia, we were unable to fly back home. She was in a state of grief for being unable to be with her family, to be with them, to, to witness the burial of her loved ones, of father and father. This grief is my story. I don't want to just put it under the blanket, under the, under the, 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 the uh, what is it, uh, you know, hide it and just rush through it, brush it through. It is my story. It is my grief. It is what shape who I am today. Nicholas Walterstorff, a philosopher. Uh, his son died, his name Eric. His son died when he climbed the mountain and he wrote the entire book called A Lament for a Son. If you want to read, this is a powerful book. Lament for a Son. And this is what he said in that book. He said something like this. I own my grief. I do not put it behind me to get over it to disown it or forget it. I do not try to disown it. The loss determines my identity. Not all of my identity for sure, but much of it. It belongs within my story. I struggle indeed to go beyond merely owning my grief toward owning it redemptively. Not just owning it, but owning it redemptively. But I will not disown it, and I cannot disown it. Lament is part of life. I, last, last year, I was reading for like two, second or third times, um, uh, Tony Morrison book called Beloved. If you have time to read that book, it's a powerful book. It is a story of a woman named Setha who ran away from, 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 from a plantation. And Setha had to go through an ongoing state of grievance for the loss of her husband, the loss of her, or her daughter named Beloved. Such pain and wound of the past are engraved and carved even in her body. When she opens you know, her clothes, there's a mark of pain and, and um, wounds in her back, like choke, chokeberry tree behind her back here. It is her story. It is the story of black community. You cannot erase that. For a long time, for a long time, we, we always preach the idea of get over it. Get over it. For a long time, 
Christian theology has adopted a terrible doctrine called the impassibility and immutability of God. As though God is not moved at all. God, is, God cannot feel anything. Impassibility, immutability, unmovedness of God. But if you read this Gospel of John again, you will see that the Lord, if you read chapter 1, Jesus, who was with God, who was God, from the beginning, wept here. Moved, deeply moved. It is okay. I just want to I just want to leave this here with you today. It is okay to come to the Lord and be at loss for words and just sit down and just like God, I can't say anything. It's okay. You don't have to create beautiful words. No. God is me seems to be silent, but God is present in our grief, in our pain, in our loss. God is there. God weeps with us. God feels our pain. And I want to read a quotation from Nicholas Waters Fourth again. God is not only the God of the sufferers, but the God who suffers. The pain and fallenness of humanity has have entered into his heart. Through the prism of my tears, I have seen a suffering God. John 11 reminds us again that Jesus wept. But I want you to see verse 38 if you have your Bible with you. Then Jesus again greatly disturbed. You see this the same, greatly disturbed. The same move, the disturbance that moved Jesus to tears as the same energy that moves Jesus to action. It is the same level of disturbance that moved Jesus to tears, that moved him to action as well. Don't disown your, your grief. Embrace it. Let it fuel you. Fuel you. Re embrace it redemptively. Fuel you to work for, for justice, for righteousness. It is the collective grief that gives energy to many, many marginalized communities to fight. It is the historic anger and pain that moves and motivates the, the righteous indignation. Any work of justice, I want to say, that any work of justice requires this embrace of grief. Otherwise, it's just, it's just become empty discourses. Dr. Dr. James Conn's opening, opening, opening part of the book, The Course and the Lynching Tree, he said something like this, this dedication part. He said, to the memory of black people whose lives were lost in the lynching tree. Let it move you. Embrace it, embrace it redemptively. It's okay. God is there with us. Amen. Amen. So that's mm -hmm. Eka. Hmm. Hmm. 
I just want to take a, I, you know, just a moment for those words to really settle um, in us. And, and it strikes me as we are all listening and um, a variety of us, different place, different positions of power and structures, different experiences that what you're saying is going to hit all of us in a different way. And the ways in which we need to respond right now are differently. Because if we are in that identifying our own grief, the, our own, the deaths that are happening, you know, the, the experience of death around us is, is a different measure for each individual. And, and this opportunity that the call to lean into that, to not escape it, to not fight it, to not rush through that is, is certainly, I think, the message that we all need to hear. And yeah. the thing that is resonating with me, honestly, is that if we are going to, you, you just pointed this out so clearly in this passage, if we are going to, if we are people, if the church, if we're going to follow Jesus, we follow Jesus into pain and suffering. And even when that story is not like, because Mary seemed closer, like she's grieving, she's right there. She is closest to this pain. She has no, like what I have that distance of privilege, like the privilege yeah. of distance of being away from her. Mm. Jesus farther away doing something else. Mary's right there. And Jesus comes. And if we are going to be like Jesus, we actually have to come nearer to those stories, right? Mm. Like if, if I am not, if, I, if I'm too far away from the immigrant, immigrant story, if mm. I'm too far away from the, from the African-American story, then I don't actually, am I even, am I really following Jesus, right? Like we have to be, if we're following Jesus, he goes close to those, to, to the people right. that are in that grief and experiencing that pain. And so I don't know, for, for me who has a certain amount of distance from grief or pain right now, um, that's, that's what is, that's what I I'm being called into, yeah. but I know yeah. that there are people on this call and those that are listening that are right now experience. You, you've lost an aunt. We have people who have lost family members who have family members that are in the hospital right now alone mm -hmm. and are in that grief. And yeah. I think there is, um, anyway, I know that we're all hearing this in, in so many different ways. And so I'm actually, I want to, um, well, I, I hope it challenges the, um, the dominant one, one aspect of, of our dominant culture or of, uh, white culture, right. Is a triumphalism, right? We have this, this sense of, uh, we're always winning. And, and if you're not, you're always moving towards that. And so to listen to, or be close to, uh, pain or grieving, or it challenges that it pushes up against that. And um, I would say for those of us that, you know, are working through those aspects of whiteness and those aspects of dominant culture and trying to give up the things that, because that, that, that steals from you. It not only steals from uh, the marginalized cultures, but it steals from the dominant culture that will not allow themselves to experience the grief and the pain and the suffering, which means repression and suppression. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that, that stuff is still there. It just eats you up on the inside. And, and so I hope, I hope, uh, so we do need to hear this message um, in different ways, you know, and, and definitely dominant culture can learn. I mean, that's what Eka is really telling us. 
dominant culture can learn from marginalized cultures that have had no choice but to go through suffering and to have suffering be a part of their story. And um, so I, I thank you for that, that challenge to our, uh, our, our dominant perspective. And it's another place that we can be changed and shaped and transformed. I, you know, I grew up in a, in a tradition that always, we love language like power and glory, you know, we, we, we are, you know, healing and those things, you know, the, the language of victory and to a point in which it clouds us to think through human pain and human suffering and human, so, so it creates this sort of inability, you know, inability to sit and think through human pain and human, human grief. And I think there is a need for that. And it's, you know, when we talk about resurrection, for instance, if you read the Gospel of John, you know, when, when Jesus show up to Thomas, Jesus said, you know, look at this mark, the mark of death still follows Jesus, yeah. even to the post-resurrection. Yeah. So, it's, so the, the resurrection is not complete elimination of Jesus' death. Yeah. So, so we 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 think, we, we, you know, we 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 think like resurrection is that's why we rush through that, right? Mm -hmm. But it's just like the 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 death of Jesus is also an integral story in Christian life, not only the resurrection, and 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 that mark still follows Jesus, even to the post-resurrection life, you know, resurrection life. That's huge, Eka. I, I, I don't know that I've spent any time reflecting on that because I've always grown up with the tradition of a celebration of the new bodies that people will yeah. have in the new, in the, you know, as if, as if there will be no marks of the mm -hmm. pain and the suffering of mm -hmm. this life on the new body. Everything would be, you know, and that <laughs> I've never reflected on that. That is a powerful idea. Yeah. That, that that aspect of who Jesus was, that that uh, abuse of an unjust yeah. uh, justice, yeah. that that I believe him. Yeah, uh, that it left a mark on him. Yeah, into his eternal body, it becomes part of him. Yeah. his identity, who he yeah. is. Yes. yes. Yeah, that is powerful. Yeah. I was thinking about. Um, something like that this week, uh, that passage that says um, it's appointed to man once to die and then the judgment. And I was just thinking in terms of, you know, that being part of the reality for every person and even the two people that were taken uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, you know, they're report, purported to you know, come back, you know, during the time of uh, the last days, you know, and they're going to die too. And I think just part of that shared experience, uh, I don't know, just that he shares it all with us, you know, and that we all have to go through the similar grief, I guess, you know, um, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, just a thought. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, yeah, and, and that, I think that it is, I, I, it is impressed upon me the necessity of us as the church, if we are following Jesus, mm -hmm. that we are, go we are going to go up close and personal yeah. where there is pain and suffering, where 
where marginalized communities exist. Because who is the good news for? Yeah, <laughs> the right, oppressed, right. the prisoner. The yeah. that, that that's who the good news is for. So, um, anyway, that such a powerful, powerful word, Eka. Thank you. Yes. I'd like to say one thing. Can can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I think that because I've spent a lot of my adult life as a person who's been in grief because of a lot of experiences of people dying in my life, that uh, in these last few years, I've learned that, like James tells us to, not to be afraid of our problems, but to welcome them as friends. And that grief and joy can exist simultaneously, simultaneously in your body that you can have a well of grieving where you are you have felt that pain of of loss or or abuse or whatever we felt you can you can hold that in your heart and yet it doesn't have to consume you because god always gives us joy in our life and that we can also live with you know being joyful in the lord and having those experiences of being present with him and enjoying his his presence in our life, but we hold that well of grief that gives us compassion and it gives us a way to touch other people and to instantly just be there with people as they suffer. I mean, that's been my experience in life that if I had never gone through uh, from my, when I was a young woman, you know, and my, my first husband died just so quickly when I was 25 and I hadn't had that seed planted in me so young I don't know that I would ever have been able to be as compassionate towards other people who are suffering as I've been able to do all the way through the rest of my life. And so it really has been a blessing. I mean, it's been something that's been beneficial and that I don't have to just say, oh, I've got to get rid of this grief. I've got to just get through it. No, you don't have to. You can hold it there and it's there when you need to go there to that place. It's there when you need to go down and feel what other people feel or to identify with other people in their, in their struggles and their suffering and their pain and the things that we go through. But then again, we don't have to wallow there. We, we can also experience the, the, the greatness of knowing God's presence in our life all the time. So just encouragement that, you know, those two things don't, don't have to be one or the other. They can be both. So. Yes, they, they, we hold it, these things coexist in us. And I think our encouragement is to, um, to, to not be rushed. Right. And that, and to, to not, um, ignore or deny, right. um, and 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 powerfully, I think. Also, I think also the ways in which grief and pain, like the collective grief, as as what does motivate and, and fuel mm -hmm. um, the movement of the church and and or of of bodies that have worked actively yeah. against the oppressive forces right. and um and that is and and that redemptive you know um releasing prisoners right mm -hmm, speaking mm -hmm. through like, and releasing uh, and and dismantling oppressive that is that is the work of god in yeah. our world that yeah. we are invited to and um and grief and the pain and pain is is a part of uh part of that so um, thank you again, everybody. Um, hey, Sonia, this is Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, I have been pretty quiet on these calls, but I just want to step in for just a second if I could. Um, 
before people start hanging up and whatnot, I, I uh, want to have a time tonight. I just feel like we can take an opportunity to spend more time diving into this, give people a little bit of time to process it today and sit with it. <clears throat> and uh, so I think you've agreed to create a Zoom call tonight. And just thinking like uh, maybe seven o'clock is the time I'm picking randomly. Um, but uh, share a few things that uh, maybe a few few tools that I've been working with uh, personally. And then there's lots of other wisdom in the community. Maybe we can share what some things that are working for people and, and even just spend time with each other, which is incredibly healing and, um, and even process some of the grief as well, if there's uh, specifics that we need to spend some time with. So just wanted to get that word out there that we'll, tonight, we'll send a link out to you, but um, we'll just do a, a, yeah, a hangout time. If you want to come and hear a couple of ideas, then, then jump on as well. Great, thank you, Jeff. Um, for those of you who don't know, Jeff um, does work around trauma and the ways in which it um, becomes embedded in our brains, in our mm -hmm. bodies. And so there's some probably really, some not probably, there are gonna be really great things that Jeff um, will have to say that will help many of us that maybe need some tools yeah, yeah. and some ways in which to process the things that are happening. Because mm -hmm. um, our bodies do remember and there are things that we can intentionally do to, to for healing and processing in, mm -hmm. in our bodies. So um, we're going to, um, uh, I think Eric and Jamie are ready, set up, and we're gonna close out with, um, um, uh, with them today. So I'm gonna hand it on over to them. Thank you everybody for joining and um, uh, we'll just take a moment to, to sit and reflect and respond and um, pay attention to what the, pay attention to a few things, pay attention to where you might be experiencing this in your body and um, and I mentioned in our little feed, but um, um, breathing deep breaths and doing those things are, are really good and just paying attention to how it is that we're experiencing it. You might be clenching your jaw or maybe your fists are tense or you're feeling it in your gut. And um, those things, we, we are triggered throughout our days yeah. and just paying attention to where that is and, and releasing that tension is good. And the second thing is, um, of course, be um, um, listening to um, what God might be speaking to you from today and um, where there might be some, um, where we can spend some time with God going to him with, I don't know what to do with this, or this, this brought up a pain, mm -hmm. this brought up some things in my life that I need, I want to release. And, and then maybe there's some work tonight that you can do in that group with Jeff. Yeah. And um, yeah, God is, God is, is, is present and he's here to heal and to restore and to we talk about this becoming healed healers and so the work is ongoing in us and through us um so um we're gonna hand it over to eric and jamie we love all of you so much and um yeah we love all of you thank you dr ekka <laughs> thank you ekka. absolutely <laughs>